Hello. Baseball fans and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off season. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 20th day of January 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. So let me tell you what I'm going to do today. Today I have an interview that I recorded with the comedian, writer, and producer, and diehard Angels fan, Jay Keith Van Stratton. I wanted to get him on the show for a little bit. We finally connected, and I wanted to talk to him about the history of the Angels, his Angel fandom, and what this team is going to do since they have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout, but can't seem to get into the playoffs, which I think is a Borderline tragedy in baseball that the best player in baseball can't even make it to the World Series. So, anyway, we cover lots of different topics and we talk about all sorts of Angels things. For those of you who think I talk too much about the Red Sox, for that, I bring you J. Keith Van Stratton, Angel fan. And we are here with the great J. Keith Van Stratton. And I pronounce all those parts of your name correctly. Especially, especially, especially great. That's the most yes. important part. Yes, let's get that to brass tacks. What's the most <laughs> important thing there? Um, you are, besides being a very talented writer and comedian, you're also a, uh, a big fan of the Angels. I am. Uh, and let me ask you this. As, as a fan, I'm a baseball fan living in Los Angeles County. Uh, I... I Maybe it's because I'm just right down the street from Dodger Stadium where I live. I don't see as many Angel fans in my community as you would think or hope. Uh, do you is that is that the little brother syndrome? Is it because they're all the way out in Orange County, despite what their name says, or do you think it's just uh, people just the Dodgers are more glamorous? So I. Uh... I think there's just a lot more Dodger fans, and I think they're a lot more concentrated and probably also a lot more uh, vocal, to be polite. Uh, <laughs> but it is, fun- it is funny that, you know, this is – it's not exactly the home team, you know, L.A. being in L.A. County versus Orange County. But it is still a little surprising when I see another Angels fan. Like, it's you know, if, if I were a Dodger fan and saw another Dodger fan, I don't think I would ever say anything. But whenever I see someone wearing an Angels hat or an Angels bumper sticker, I always, you know, I always try to make eye contact or point to the hat or something like that. Um, you know, it is it is it is more rare to spot an Angels fan up in L.A. Uh, than than Dodgers fans. Uh, so it's always a it's always an extra treat. I used to get that, believe it or not, as a Boston fan before the Red Sox became this kind of national brand around 2003 or so when they were just basically just another team. And if I saw some of the Red Sox fan, you would say, you know, I would say, where are you from? You know, and they would say, oh, I'm from Providence or I'm from Hartford or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I see someone's like, oh, I just, I'm just a sock, you know, I've never been to Boston once in my life. So it used to be this <laughs> uh, reflection of a region. And now it's just, it's yeah. just the. Well, I, the I travel internationally a lot and, and it's always fun to see. It's always in general interesting for me as a baseball fan to notice sort of what teams get represented around the world. And there's been three times that I've seen people wear angels hats. And of course I've said something to them. And one, one time was in France. One time was in uh, Denmark. And one time was in uh, New Zealand. And two of the three times, they had no idea what the hat they were wearing represented. They just liked the design. 
or someone gave it to them. But the third time, the guy I ran into in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, was actually an Angels fan. He had grown up in Orange County, and so that was really cool. So I got I got a I got a I got a picture with a with a, a Kiwi Angels fan. One of my most loyal uh, listeners is uh, a fellow who I just call Cubs fan with an eight because he spells Cubs with an eight in his handle, mm-hmm. and he is uh, he lives in uh, Switzerland, and he is a Swiss Cubs fan. And has been for many years. He's not, uh, you know, he's not a, a fair weather fan. And he actually flew out to be at Wrigleyville for when they, um, you know, for when they finally won the World Series. And he's been keeping tabs on the most common hats that you mm-hmm. see in Europe. And they're they're like weird things. Like there's a lot of Oakland A's hats or something. Mm-hmm. There's like stuff that makes no sense. And I think yeah. it comes from a little what you were saying that it's yeah. more of. It's just fashion. I, I talk. I one of the the guy in France when I when I saw it, I asked him, and he had no idea even it was a sport team. He was like, "I, I like the colors." Yeah, he went with his. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure they're that way for people who want to look cool and they wear like yeah. Premier League shirts and like yeah. you have no idea unless you're you know one of the few here who actually follow it. You know, you're just putting on because you like the colors. So. Well, when I first went to when I first went to Japan, I would see people wearing Red Sox stuff because of Daisuke. Um, and so now, now that Otani is signed with the angels, I just, I just, just got back from Japan and Taiwan and the, the, you know, they, they don't have the merch there yet, the angels merch, but I'm expecting that when I go back there, I'll be back in, uh, in the spring, I'm expecting to see more angels, uh, stuff for, with Otani, uh, represented there because that, because any, anytime you go to a, any kind of a sports store or like a, or a, a baseball stadium gift shop, there's always an, a, a special section of major league players, um, you know, especially those with, with Asian connections. So um, the the one that I went to, I went to the stadium in Fukuoka, Japan, where the SoftBank Hawks play. And, uh, you know, their stuff still has like, you know, Maeda and um, uh, the guy in the Dodgers, whose name I'm blanking on right now, the pitcher. Um, Kento Maeda? Yeah, yeah, Kento Maeda, sorry, him and, and uh, oh, sorry, and Tanaka and stuff like that. But there was no uh, no Otani stuff yet, so... Uh, I was yet. I was hoping to get something, but I was a little too early. Yet, um, where are you from? Orange County? Like, how did you? No. Nope. Why? Why did you? Why are you an Angel fan? Uh, the grace of God. No, I don't know. I actually, <laughs> grew up, I, I, I'm actually from Chicago, so I grew up first a White Sox fan and then diehard Cubs fan. Like, and Cubs yeah. all the way through college. I mean, there were there were days where I I would wear I could wear something from head to toe, including underpants. That was all Cubs. Um, and then gradually, my favorite player was Ryan Sandberg and, you know, that era. Mm-hmm. And as my favorite players, you know, either retired or retired again or got traded away. And uh, also, I I moved from Chicago. I just kind of my, my fandom sort of faded a little bit. And then I was kind of when, once I moved to L.A. in the 80s, I kind of followed the Angels a little bit. They were you know definitely the underdog team compared to the Dodgers. And I, I just liked their broadcast a lot. And then uh, in 2002, uh, you know, I started I started going to a lot more games, and then I was able to. It was still affordable then to go to postseason games, so I actually ended yeah. up going to all of the Angels home games during that postseason, and I got totally swept up. Not not just because they won, but also just the, the fan experience at Angel Stadium is so great. And I was really at the time becoming very disillusioned with the Dodgers fan experience. You know, my, my I think it's gotten better, but you know, for a long time, every time you go there, there was a fight in the stands and, you know, it yeah. was just, it was, it, it just wasn't a very pleasant place to be and the parking's difficult and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, I just, you know, to, to actually be at a game seven of a world series when, when you're the home team wins, 
uh, was so exciting that I actually bought eight, I bought uh, season tickets the next season. And um, I, I, I don't, I still go to maybe 20 games or so a season, but I, I follow them very uh, loyally. Um, so it really was just, you know, it was really just getting caught up in, in the good feelings again, not just because they were winning, but just the whole experience there. And, you know, I'd, I'd had the, I'd had the expectation that, Oh, these are going to be, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of old Disney fans and tourists who were going to be, sure. you know, who were going to be there, but no, people were really, you know, people were really into the game and everything was very positive. There was, there was a lot more of go angels than, you know, your team sucks. And that, that's much more, <laughs> that's much more my vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that's really what sort of sealed the deal. Um, and then it sort of became official. I think it was either 2003 or maybe in the next season, the Cubs actually came to Angel Stadium to play. And so any last vestiges I had of Cub fandom, you know, officially, <laughs> officially were buried when I, when I rooted for the Angels against the Cubs, which would have surprised pretty much anyone who knew me in my 20s. That's like the closest thing that in sports to sort of being – converting to a new religion. Yeah, you're you know, right. Like you're, you're born, you're, why were you a Cub and White Side? Because you're right. from Chicago, so that's what you're exactly. born into. And then you were you were taught the gospel of another faith. Yeah, you grow up, you make your own decisions, or you feel, you know, sort of what works for you. Um, and, you know. then, and then you have your last vestiges exactly. where you're like, okay, we yeah. one faith against the other, and there you yeah. go. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Although I have to say, I did, I, I, I did go to Wrigley Field when I was in Chicago last summer, and uh, you know mm-hmm. it, it is it is a great feeling there, but it is so different now that they have you know they put so much money and obviously that they've won. But you know, it's I, I've got nothing against the Cubs, you know, as a as a memory or as an organization. I mean, it's you, you, how, do, how do you how do you hate a team that uh, that struggled for so long and then actually you know did the right thing, right? But going back to that Angel team, I think in some ways I, I have. It's funny because I'm not an Angel fan and I've had some bitter memories <laughs> regarding the Angels in some way because um, my, I'm a Boston fan, but my father's a San Francisco fan. So he, you know, they've had a lot of good luck this century, of course, but that 2002 mm-hmm. World Series was just devastating for my dad. And mm-hmm. so I kind of cringe a little when I think about that Angel team, but just as a baseball fan and observer, what a unique squad that 2002 and an underappreciated squad in so many ways because so many of their play, I mean, almost their entire starting nine was either homegrown Mm -hmm. or acquired as minor leaguers. So they spent their rookie year as an angel, like Adam Kennedy, David Eckstein were brought in via trade, Mm -hmm. but as minor leaguers. So they were rookies as angels, right? you know, and, and and then, you know, Frankie Rodriguez kind of shows up out of nowhere uh, right, and then you know, Lackey. Erstad, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lackey was a rookie, but yeah, yeah. You had, you had, you know, you had Erstad, Salmon, and Garrett Anderson as kind of the you know, the long the long suffering guys. Um, you know, the veterans there, and, and Troy, and Troy Gloss, yeah, and Benji Molina, yeah. I mean, it was it was one of those. It, so many people had to overachieve. <laughs> I mean, you look at you look at all the except for uh, you know, obviously Lackey's had a great career since then, but you know, you look at all the guys who had who who their seasons leading up to it and after that were really, you know, sometimes a pretty good or whatnot, but, but it really all came together that season. I mean, for Eckstein and Kennedy to have the seasons they did that year uh, was just incredible. And the angels were an under, had an underrated agony. 
yeah, at oh, that yeah. point. And I was going to say also, I, I also have earned a little bit of my being able to celebrate because I, I, I was actually, I, well, I was actually at the Donnie Moore game in uh, 86 when they were one, you know, as, as I'm sure you'll remember very well as a Sox fan, yeah. you know, they were one. I call it the Dave Henderson game. Yeah. You call yeah. the Donnie Moore. <laughs> Self-respective. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was, you know, that, that was one of the most emotional, not just sports or baseball experiences, but just one of the most emotional experiences I've had of, you know, of being so close and this, the tension and the, the air being let out of the room when, when Henderson uh, hit that home run. Uh, so, you know, I've been there for some of the bad times. And, and then, and again, the, two, the, the one season I chose to buy season tickets in 2003 was just a disaster. That was a, that was a terrible year. But then yeah. they, they kept going to the playoffs. The thing, I, I, one of these days I got to write a thing about the, the, what I'll call the Dave Henderson game. Yeah. Because the shorthand is they were, the Angels were one strike away from winning the pennant. Mm-hmm. Henderson hits the home run. What everyone forgets is the Angels tied the game in the bottom of the ninth. Well, and also they that had, game, and also they had, uh, they had uh, two more. Little, no, they, I think it was Game Six, right? So they, they'd also had another game to win it, and that's when. Yeah, they, uh, when, they had uh, Game Six and Seven. Exactly right. It was Game Five. Yeah. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's also you know it's how, it's how like people were blaming Bartman before realizing that they had a whole other game. <laughs> the Cubs had a whole other game to to win and what is it two or three more innings too. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that people forget about that game is the Angels had not only tied the game in the, the bottom of the ninth, mm-hmm. they had the pennant-winning run on third with one out. Oh, I don't remember that. So, I haven't watched in a while, but and, that's and, amazing. I mean, I do because I'm a lunatic. Sure. But they, uh, they, were, they got two outs, in, and, they, and the Red Sox had, had run out of relievers because there were so many injuries to their pitching staff. So they had Steve Crawford, whose ERA had an area code on it, facing <laughs> – I think it was Doug DeSenseis and Bobby Grich, like two mm. big power hitters. And he got them both out. Mm. And I, I actually did do a post of, I did do a, a, a podcast about this. So my listeners know I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this again, but an inning or so later, Gary Pettis hit a deep drive that pinned Jim Rice to the wall. That I think and I if it that. was, if it was maybe I'm going to say one foot higher, mm-hmm. it would have cleared the wall and the Angels would have won the pennant, and no one would have remembered Donnie Moore and the Dave Henderson home. That's right. And they had the higher walls back then. They had those those baggy, those green baggies. Yeah. I think they're higher than what they, you know, they, they certainly weren't something you could climb like Trout does these days. And 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 uh, Jim Rice was not the most fleet of yes, foot exactly. outfielders at that point. He was not, you know, he didn't make many leaps over the wall at that point. Great yeah. player, love him, but, yeah. and, and, you know, people in 82, I mean, I re- vividly remember 82, where basically the Angels were an all-star team, mm-hmm. where they had, yeah, the Sensei's okay. and Grinch were still there, Fred Lynn, mm-hmm. Rod Carew, Don Baylor, Reggie Jackson, you know, I mean, Tommy John and Mike Witt, all these, I mean, they just were like, how did they lose the, 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 the pennant to the Milwaukee Brewers who were injured and didn't even have Raleigh figures on the team? But the Angels always found a way to lose, and then they had never won a single postseason series. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly in 2002, when nobody was picking them, everyone was looking yep. at the Moneyball A's and the Yankees. Yep. And the Angels ran the table. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and then Kennedy had three homers in that one game. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and their pitching, you know, the, the starting pitching was really sketchy as well. I mean, you know, Lackey, that was Lackey's rookie season. He did well. But, you know, we were throwing out, like, Kevin Apier and uh, – Washburn. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Jared Washburn. Aaron Seeley was on that yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they pieced it together. That was a- but the way they, they, played, they you know, they, they played with such, you know, I mean, you, you know, it, it's a cliche, but, you know, they played with such heart and such hustle that, uh, you know, I don't know statistically if that made the difference, but it felt, it sure felt good. It felt good to watch. And Percival was locked down. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, that was, no, and then Frank, was and Frankie Rodriguez, you know, the, the, was, the, had, had, uh, I forget how they, they sort of manipulated the rules a little bit because he had really had not, oh, had not. Oh, oh. I'll tell you how okay. they did it. I actually remember it because former Red Sox Aaron Seeley mm-hmm. was on the team and he got injured kind of at the last minute. And so they realized they didn't have to have someone who was on the roster at September 1st. Okay. They had someone who was on the 40-man roster. Right. And they had a guy who made only five more appearances than me all season. <laughs> and nobody had a scouting report yes, on him. Yes, that, that definitely was an advantage as well. And he would just come in and, you know, they, they socially used him as, you know, kind of in the, in the sort of as an early Andrew Miller. Like he would, he would come in and sort of pitch situationally. And then, uh, you know, and then you had Percival following him and it was, it was incredible. That was a year I remember, I was still living in New York at that time. And that was a year where the A's, of course, they had, that was the Moneyball year. That mm-hmm. was, yeah. you know, they won the 20 some odd games. Right. Which was so funny Thank because you. they, you know, people who know Moneyball, like the, 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 or at least from the movie, they think, wow, they won 20 games in a row. They must have, you know, won the World Series. What they don't tell you is that the Angels pretty much kept pace with them through that whole month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Angels won 99 games that year. And the – but there was so much attention put on the A's. And, of course, the Yankees had won four straight pennants and were coming off of the the 9-11 World Series. Mm -hmm. And I just remember the build of the postseason is it's going to be a showdown between the Yankees and right. the A's, winner goes to the World Series. So naturally, it was Angels Twins. Right. You know. <laughs> well, it's also interesting because uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think we lost the first game of of every series. So it would have been interesting. Yeah. It would have been interesting if you know we were the wild card team. If the if the wild card uh, playoff had been around, then if we would have even gotten out of that. Oh, I thought of that before because it would have been Angels Red Sox. Right. Oh yeah. No, we would have been toast. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Probably Pedro, Mar- Pedro Martinez pitching Angels Red Sox. Yeah. That's what it would have happened. Yeah, in other words, Red Sox <laughs> advance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would, and I'll go out. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to turn this into the 2002 love fest here, but when you talk about moments in World Series history where it things turn, like the 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 narrative turns. Yeah. I mean, the Spezio home run has to be one of the biggest home runs of World Series history. I, I was, I, I was at that again. I was, I was fortunate enough to go to all of the home games, and and when that when that home run happened, I was on the aisle, and I was, I think I was at that game alone. I just got a single ticket, and I just started running. I just <laughs> there's a there's a concourse on the between the four and five hundred level. Angel Stadium, where you can pretty much uh, go from you know from pole to pole, yeah. Uh, and I pretty much mm-hmm. did. I mean, I was <laughs> I was so excited. I was you know hugging and high fiving strangers, and then I just started. I had so much energy and enthusiasm, and the place was so loud. Uh, I just started running. It was it was it was absolutely thrilling. And the cool thing about it was that it was it was really strange, even though we were down. What was it like like five runs with five you know, yeah, like, five zero right with like five outs to go or something like that. There was not, I mean, yeah, was, there was no, ago, yeah. there, there, I mean, people were, I, I wouldn't say people were like confident we could come back, but like there was no despair. There was, there was really this, this feeling that like, we're not, we're not out of it. You know, there, there was not that feeling of, uh, you know, 
oh, oh crap, or, you know, or people leaving or people, you know, starting to boo or anything like that. Like it was, there was, there was still such hope and joy. And I remember even, even I think if it was, if I'm not mistaken, af- after the first loss that we had in one of the rounds, I remember leaving the stadium and going down the ramps and people were still going, let's go angels, let's go angels. I mean, it was, it was, yeah. it, I, I don't know what, uh, how, to, how to attribute that, but, um, you know, pe- people really believed in that team and it was really fun to be a part of. I mean, I'll I'm, tell you, I'm not, I, just I, I think it's sure, probably because sure believe in the other team too. And, you know, but, you know, but my I think it was probably house money. Say again? I mean, it was like, I think it was like house money. Yeah, it's like no right. one expected to get past the Yankees. So at that yeah. point, all right, fine. Let's see. You know, we didn't expect to be here. So there was a sense of, there was a sense of they never tightened up. Yeah. And and it was a real contrast because I remember in, in 2005 when we played the White Sox in the in the uh, LCS, I think. LCS, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you felt how suffocated we were. It's like, you know, when, when especially because I think they had like almost all complete games from their starting pitchers that year. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. You, know, you, 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 sort of, you, definitely, you definitely felt the difference. You're like, oh, well, this is not going to happen. <laughs> and with but the, that actually was the year – 05 was the year that the – the Angels beat the Yankees in the division series. That's right. And it was really down to the last pitch. It was it was a back and forth series. And, you know, the, the Yankees had Randy Johnson for some reason, and they had him coming up. He got clobbered as a starter, but he pitched well out of the bullpen. And there was like a miscommunication in, in like right center field between Sheffield and – I. It, I don't think it was Bernie Williams. I forget who the center fielder was, like Bubba Crosby or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And the ball, they, they collided and the go-ahead runs came mm-hmm. in. It was just, I you you know, I was, my Red Sox have just lost to the White Sox, so I just wanted to make sure the Yankees didn't advance. <laughs> and uh, I became a huge Angel fan. I was like, oh, I grew up with Bobby Gritch, you know, I just... But yeah, that was a wild series. And I wonder if that, I mean, they just, then they wound up, they wound up winning the first game against the White Sox, and and th- then there was the weird game uh, where yeah. Kurzinski ran to first. One, if uh, if replay existed today, yeah. they would have seen that. I forget who the catcher yeah, was. It it out. I forget who, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get. I, when in doubt, say it's a Molina. No, no, it was Paul. I think it was Josh uh, Paul. It was definitely it was the backup catcher. I think it was Josh Paul. Okay. Okay. Well, that's either way. All, all I know um, is that he was not with the team right after that. <laughs> like, so, so, <laughs> like, so, so the catcher was not going to put up with, you know, with, with bad catcher behavior like that. Although I don't, I think he was totally in the right, but he could have been a little, he could have been a little more demonstrative or a little, you know, covered his butt a little bit. Or just tag him. Yeah. Just tag him. Just tag him. Yeah. That really made me angry, but what are you going to do? But it, but you know and then yeah. and then I was at one of the games in when the when the Royals had their great run and I think they swept us oh. in the, in that series. It's like that was another feeling of like, you know, we, and we were we were heavily favored if I'm not mistaken. I mean, certainly yeah. that was way before people realized how good the Royals were. And there was this there definitely was this feeling in the stadium after that first game of like, oh oh, they're actually they're actually really good. I think we barely. Well, the sad run. thing, the sad thing about that particular year no one will remember you know that the angels passed the a's the a's got off that great start and then the angels passed them they wound up winning i guess i have baseballreference.com the single greatest website in the history of the planet earth up in front of me and they wound up winning 98 games Mm -hmm. which was the best record in the american league it was probably jared weaver's best season 
Um, you had a you know a good bullpen. Trout's first MVP, mm-hmm. and and an actual decent season out of Ooh, the right. You know, he played every game. But then we had Calhoun. Was, but then we had CJ Wilson starting our starting our elimination game, and I think he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't get out of the first. Well, the thing that must be—I mean, look—I'm just taking from point of view from you know from my point of view here is that the Angels lost games one and two in extra innings, which means that they could they were one swing away from, right. you know, from winning from being up two zero. Right. If they you know, a home run in the ninth or tenth in either one of those games, they're up two zero, and you know no one's going to remember this Royals team. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how like I remember that as being you know just a suffocating loss, and I don't I don't, I don't remember it being that close. Yeah, I mean the but first right. game was I mean the first game was extra innings, and went to it was three to two, eleven inning win by the Royals, mm-hmm. and then game two, the very next day, uh, was extra innings. It was tied one to one going into. Um, uh, going into the ninth, and it was fi- the final score was four one because they scored three in the eleventh. All right, but it was right. both of those games. I mean, the the Angels were better than the Royals. They just happened to lose those two extra inning games. So, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, you know, that was just one of those years where you you judge a year based upon October, sure. even though all. <laughs> any any rational person would look and say that the angels were a much better team yep. that year. Well, I'm not trying to, you know, rub it in the face here or anything like that. You just, <laughs> no, you, you just have to earn it because your first year following them, they won the goddamn World <laughs> Series. So, was it the, again, I was at the 86 game. I, I, I earned a little bit. Okay. 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 Fine. Fine. I'm just, I'm just doing it retroactively no, of here. Uh, of course. All right. Let's just talk a little bit about, because I, I'm, as I said before, I'm not an Angel fan. This is going to sound like a contradiction here. Okay. I'm not an Angel fan at all. In fact, there have been a bunch of times on the podcast I've ripped into Socha and to the to the organization. That being said, mm-hmm. I'm a gigantic Mike Trout fan. Sure, who is it? And if Mike, if Mike Trout is going to win a World Series, I would rather he win it as an Angel yes. and not pull yeah. a Verlander and win it as an Astro, you know, <laughs> towards the end of his career. So while I'm not an Angel fan, I'd like to see them win a World Series with Mike Trout there. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's well, it's not if you really give it. Well, hopefully we can both get what we want. But one of the reasons I was ripping them a lot last year was the fact that it, mediocrity meant you were a contender last year. I mean, the Twins yeah. were a wild card team, and they won in the mid '80s. It doesn't take a great team to make it in the American League. And here they are. They've been blessed with a player brought down from Mount Olympus uh, and said, here, we will give you the best player in baseball. Please put mediocrity around him so you can make the postseason. And save for those three games in 2014, he's always been on the golf course in the postseason. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously this offseason hopefully is going to make that make the difference. But, you know, to be fair, it's like I don't think every I don't think anyone expected the starting pitch the starting rotation to disintegrate as, as completely and as rapidly as it has over the last couple of years. Um, but no, they didn't, you know, they, they made a decision to sort of stay in, you know, mid media contention uh, over the last couple of years, instead of making, you know, instead of either uh, 
trying to do sort of a mini rebuild or, you know, really adding excellence. And then I think finally this, they re- they realize the timing is now to do it this year. But, uh, you know, I think, I think one of, you know, if they'd gotten up in a little earlier last year, for instance, who knows, maybe that could have made a difference for, for two or three games. By the way, how, how happy, how happy was Cameron Maven that uh, they dumped him <laughs> just in time to be picked up by the Astros to get a world series ring. I mean, how- I was really happy. I was really happy for him. I, I, I like him as a, as a player and I, I like his personality. So I was, I was very happy to, to see him uh, do well and, and contribute there. And, yeah. and the, in, if I'm not mistaken, I think in game seven, he had a, he had a, a key play. Yeah. Too. Uh, but yeah, that's so funny. Cause I remember, I remember that day I was like, Oh, well at least they'll get something for me. But it was like, Nope, Nope, they're not. They're literally, <laughs> they literally just cut him. Yep. I think they, they ended up getting, I think like a player to be named later. I forget with how the compensation worked on that one, but um but yeah, you know, Maben, you know, it was like it was a little weird that like between Maben and Ben Revere that that they kept Maben, but I guess they wanted the lefty in the lineup still. I guess. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Um, but yeah, it seemed it seemed that, that seemed a little uh, of an odd decision, but so the Angels one made, of many. The Angels made one of the big moves in this offseason. Absolutely. And uh, Otani is coming. Tell me your thoughts on Otani, and is he going to be? Are we really going to see a guy do what we all thought? Like, I mean, I wanted John Olrood to do it too, but like, we're we going to really see this happen? I think they're going to try. I mean, it, it. There's. I only know, obviously, you know what I what I read in here, but from from my understanding, you know, if they can if they can make it work with the six man rotation and have them go once a week or have them, I think the. The thing I read that seemed to make the most sense is you you rest him the day before and after he pitches, and other than that, you DH him. Yeah, um, I think I, th- I think that could work, and I think he wants to do it. It's just a matter of you know they're all they have is the scouting reports and and how they've seen him play in Japan. You know when when they see him at spring training against major league hitting, you know it's so weird to have so much of your season kind of up in the air as far uh, with such a big decision looming where you have such limited information, but you know. Uh, the, the good news, the, the good spin on it is that the Angels would be happy to have a, 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 a quality starting pitcher and the Angels would be happy to have a quality designated hitter. So if he can do one of them, they'd be happy. And if he can do both of them, they'd be ecstatic. Um, but sure, as a, as a baseball fan, you know, you want to see you want to see the, the sort of the perfect player. You want to see, you know, you want to see what he can do. And it opens so many exciting possibilities. I mean, even just to have him on the bench, frankly, yeah. you know, on a day where he's not pitching to have the threat that he could come up and pinch hit in a, in a, you know, in a high leverage situation, you know, in the late innings is, is, is really exciting. And I think, you know, just that threat, I think could maybe change the game as far as the decisions that the managers make on the other side. It's fine. But, you know, yeah. I, I think, you know, this is, you talk about playing with house money. I mean, you know, to get a player of this quality on either side of the ball for peanuts for the, for the next few years, I mean, they're, they're, you know, it's a, it's a happy problem to have, to have to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, if anything else, it'll just add a sense of, you know, buzz and excitement about, Oh yeah, I mean, like their biggest prospect other than him is a 18-year-old kid named Joe Adele, who is mm-hmm. probably not going to see a major league game for four or five years. So, I mean, to have someone young that you could put in, and as you said, doesn't break, he didn't, it didn't break the bank to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, obviously, I would love to see him pitch and hit but in terms of mm-hmm. seeing the angels go far holy crap do they need him in that starting rotation 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, if you had to choose, you'd want you know, you, we'll we'll take the pitcher over over the hitter as far as what we as far as what we need. But yeah, that would that would make a huge difference. I mean, shouldn't the Angels be going in on on Arietta or Darvish or even some of the Lance Lynn's not a Cy Young Award winner, but at least he's an innings eater. You know, you know that he's going to give you thirty some odd starts a year. I mean, this. I mean, I'm not saying this to rub it in. This starting staff sucks. No, they're they're you know when when they're healthy they're they're good but you never know exactly who's going to be healthy and you don't know sort of what version of uh you know someone like Matt Shoemaker you're going to get yeah and you know they, they've had little bursts of 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 being you know every starting pitcher they've had has 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 had at least a few very good starts yeah. but you know you never know you know it's it's also possible that you know you go with a six man rotation that makes everybody better because you know they're more rested and they're and they're healthier maybe that makes the difference with guys with more you know with more fragile uh, arms and shoulders and elbows um but i i, I could see them I, I don't see them making another uh, signing for starter before the season starts because again i think they really got to evaluate what they have but i would not be surprised to you know to to find a trade for a for a, a mid level starter as the season goes on or you know, it, this might be one of those crazy seasons where some of the some of the uh, name free agents aren't signed yeah. going into the you know going into the season, and so maybe then you know you can scoop up someone like you know Arietta or Lynn at a at a good price. I mean, I'm you know remember that year when um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the, the um, when like Kendris Morales wasn't signed until like you know April or May or right. something, and you know you, you never you never know if that could happen again. But you know, obviously. Billy Upler is not has shown he's not afraid to make a move, uh, but I, I think that they've I think that they've my guess is that they're they're in an evaluation uh, phase uh, through spring training and, and we'll see how that goes. Is Garrett Richards done or is or should is he? Uh... I don't think so. No, he you know he came back at the end of the season and 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 threw well. Okay. Um, I, I think you know and, and a healthy Garrett Richards is a is a legit you know maybe yeah. maybe not on a. You know, he's a legit one or two starter. Yeah. And again, if you know, if he's if he's well rested, you know, if he's if he's pitching every sixth day instead of every fifth day, you know, maybe maybe that keeps him healthier, and maybe he can go longer. You know. All right. Let me throw something at you. I, I talked about this sure. on an episode of my podcast uh, a little while ago. First of all, I'm a fan of Justin Upton, and I like him with no pressure yeah. on him. There's no, you're not asking him to be the star of this team. Mike Trout's the star of this team. Right. I'm just saying. Hey, yeah. you know, make sure Trout sees a few pitches is basically his job. You know, yeah. now I was, you know, this is this is going to sound like I'm making a, a a snarky joke. I'm not. Uh, Albert Pujols is 32 hits away from being potentially designated for assignment by the Angels because once he gets to 3,000 hits, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what value he has on the team. He had. Probably the lightest twenty-three home run, hundred and one run bad in season I've ever seen in my life last year. And yeah, now they wanted to go ahead. Sorry, no, let, me, no, no, let you finish. No, tell me your thoughts on that. So, you know, it's hard. He's you know he's still beloved. He's still you know you know he he works hard, but yeah, he's the you know by by a lot of the advanced metrics the least valuable player in the league, especially you know for for the contract. Yeah, and now they're gonna, you know, they're gonna want him to play more first base. With you know, that's one of the scenarios, you know, of of, of integrating Otani is that you know you have him at DH, and that means <laughs> Albert Pujols has got to play the field. Um, right. You know, it's it's hard. It's a it. it I, I don't know if the Angels, you know, 
I, I don't know if the Angels would be okay having him as sort of a, a, a bench player or if they, you know, if there's a way to sort of cut him with dignity or, you know, renegotiate his contract into like a personal services, you know, some, some way for him to sort of save face. But you're right. You know, the, the I mean, they do market him well. And, you know, the, you, I, I have the I, I have the stadium bobblehead giveaways to prove it. Um, and he's still somebody who's beloved, but he's he's certainly not somebody that, that you, you can't afford a liability like that, which which unfortunately he is sometimes, you know, a great deal of the time. If you look at a lot of the, you know, a, 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 as far as what he contributes beyond uh, home runs and RBIs. All right. Let me let me throw this out because I said this. And again, it sounds like I'm making a joke. But OK, I, here's the joke. But but I'm not. not but I'm not. I'm actually being okay. serious. OK. It's two. Okay. It's twofold. It involves Trout and it involves Pujols. Okay. Now Trout is beyond just being a great power hitter, great stolen base, Gold Glove, sabermetric people going crazy, traditional stats, all this. He's also the best on base percentage guy in the American League. Yeah, but once he gets on base, <laughs> yeah, once he stays, <laughs> and then you have Pujols, who will twenty-three times a year will get a hold of one. Oh, right. What yeah. if we say, all right, what if we bat Trout at the top? He's going to get on the most. He's going to get the most turns at bat. And you have like uh, uh, Otani and Upton and Kron and all of them right behind him. And what if you bat Pujols ninth? So most of the time, you know, he's got the least amount of bats, but at least with Trout batting behind him, He'll see a big fat pitch every once in a while and crank it out. And have I lost my mind, or does that make any sense? I mean, I don't know about all the statistics about lineup placement as far as these guys go. I know, like you know, I, I think that the thinking because I mean, you no, know, Trout did lead off for a while when he first came up. Yeah, and I think the thinking, the think the thinking was if you know someone's got power numbers like that, you don't want to waste it on nobody being on base. You know, at least at least uh, first time through rotate through the uh, lineup. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a, that's that's intriguing. I mean, yeah, you certainly want to give Pujols fewer at bats, and you want to give Trout uh, more. <laughs> you want to give yeah. the most. Yeah. No, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to give that. Some, I'd have to give that some thought. I mean, I think also that you know Trout is not somewhat. You know, Trout really they've really uh, they've really minimized his his speed game a lot you know yeah. he's, he's not someone who they're they're sending a lot i think probably for injury you know when he got injured was it last year he heard some yeah stealing a base yeah. so you know uh so it's just a different kind of a player and then also i think that's one of the reasons that they wanted uh from from the projected lineups i've seen almost all of them have kinsler leading off and i think he's uh i haven't looked at his stats but i believe you know he's at least certainly more of a of a traditional yeah. leadoff hitter, although although you know as he's aging, I don't know how much that's the factor. But no, it it, it certainly is interesting. I mean, I guess maybe I'm maybe I'm just bananas. I would rather have Mike Trout have more at bats than Ian Kinsler. If I'm, yeah. if, you know, well, knowing knowing how many different lineups Sosha puts out in a year, my, my guess is you have a good chance of seeing that at least once. All right, last thing. You've been very generous with your time, and I do appreciate it. But uh, you just you just gave me an easy segue right there. Uh, yeah. This will be Mike Sosha's 19th year as the manager of the Angels, which has included a championship and many, you know, and many trips to the postseason. But mm -hmm. only in his last eight seasons, the Angels have been to one postseason series. This decade, they've only been in one postseason series, despite mm -hmm. you know a, a huge influx in the payroll 
and a lot of times not the toughest division on the planet. Although, although they're now in a division with the Astros, and the yeah. Astros look like they're, especially after you know bringing in, you know, Garrett Cole's going to be what their number three or four starter. Yeah, you know, that's, I think we can say the Astros are an early favorite to win the West. That being said. I mean, even Francona was let go by the Red Sox. Even you know, Torrey yeah. and Girardi were let go by the uh, by the Yankees. You know, I mean, is there a point where you say, "Hey, eighteen years, a championship, remodeling the image of the franchise"? Thank you very much, but is it time to have a new skipper? You know, I could have seen that a few years ago. I think when 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 sort of the, the tipping point came with Depoto, uh, where you know he was really trying to to integrate a certain way of uh, running a team, and it was clear that you know Artie Moreno, the owner, sided with Sosha. You know, it's not it's clear that you know Moreno kind of operates from a more emotional yeah. base than a than necessarily a logical one. So I, I honestly, unless uh, unless um, uh, he can be convinced uh, by someone who you know can be more loyal that that you know Sosha is the only thing standing in the way of a champion. Or, or for instance, if you know maybe there's I, I can't see this happening, but let, let's say that they want to make a run for someone like Bryce Harper next year, and you know it, it turns out that Harper will only come to the team if there's if Sosha isn't there. It's like that's the only kind of a scenario I would I would see where, where that would happen. I think Sosha will stay can stay there as long as he wants, as long as Moreno's in charge. Because I just think you know Moreno has has this sort of gut. He sort of runs things from from his gut, and uh, his gut his in his gut he's a social guy. Yeah. And you know that was that was very clear when when uh, he chose him over Depoto. And so like you know unless Epler can unless Epler can really persuade him that he's a hindrance to winning you know to winning a championship, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But you know it's interesting because I, I I certainly feel that like Epler is giving him every possible tool. So you know if Sosha doesn't win with this team. I think there's a, you know, he'll certainly have a good argument, but, you know, socials, you know, obviously the, the, the measure of success is, is getting to and winning the postseason. but, you know, socials also had a lot of seasons where he's managed the team to a lot better record considering how many injuries they've had or, yeah. you know, different bad things or, you know, getting through the whole Nick Aidenhart situation. Right. Um, you know, again, I, I, like you said, you know, if, if someone like Tori or Francona or, you know, any of those people can, can be let go, it's, you know, it's a business obviously, but um, so I, I would not have a problem with a managerial change, but I just I don't I don't see it happening um, by by the team's choice. I think he'll he'll be there as long as he wants to be, unless he wants to take on a new challenge somewhere else. It's funny at the, at the end of the 2009 season when the Angels got to what two wins of winning the pennant. Um, I looked at Sosha and I thought like he's putting together a Hall of Fame career. I said he's got his championship, mm-hmm. multiple trips to the mm-hmm. postseason, turn the change the culture of the Angels around. Mm-hmm. And and now here we are, nearly a decade later, and I'm looking and going like, I wonder if he's outstayed his welcome. And 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 of course, if if they win a World Series with Mike Trout and he's the manager, then he's going to the Hall of Fame as a manager because then you can say, yeah. you know look at all these great years and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously he's obviously a wonderful manager. I'm not crapping mm-hmm. on him, but. Everyone eventually gets stale. Even Lasorda, by yeah. the end, was getting a little. Even though the Dodgers were still winning, you know, there's there comes a point when, you know, when he took over the team, I think they still had the the awful uniforms from the Disney era, 
And they still had Mo, right. Mo Vaughn, and I think they probably still had Jim Edmonds on the team, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's a long time and a lot of culture yeah. changes. For well, and to his credit, he's and to his credit, you know, he had a reputation of being more of an old school, you know, by the book, by the, by the gut kind of a manager. And and from at least what I've read, he's 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 come around as far as some of the advanced uh, metrics and you know, you you see him doing the shifts okay. and. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of things that I think he had sort of resisted before. So, you know, I, I, I think that the, as long as he's in sync with the front office and the front office seems to be filled with a lot of very smart people, uh, you know, I, I think he's certainly positioned for success. Um, it's, you know, and, and it's not like, I, I don't think there's that many, like, I don't think there are like any sort of key moments that you can point to like, oh man, this was a real, you know, this was a real strategic mistake that he made right. or, you know, he, or, or, or even, or even that, like this demonstrates that he's a not, he's not a good leader of men. You know, he's, I think he's, you know, he's, he's right in there. Again, that that being said, you know, if I wouldn't be heartbroken to have somebody else uh, be brought in, uh, but I don't think, I certainly don't think he's, you know, on the wobbly chair. All right, I just wanted to bring that up there because it's something, sure. you know, something I'm thinking about. So thirty, and also it's just fun. It's, it's fun to watch Socha face. You know, it's fun <laughs> to watch him uh, look. I would miss looking, watching him look incredulously at umpires. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point. Well, 32 hits away for Albert Pujols and 3,000 hits. Um, that will put him in unique company. Um, you know, if, the only reason to keep him slogging along is he's sitting at, at 614. Is it, does he have 150 home runs left in the tank? And uh, I say no, no, it, not at all. No, and that would have been. But he's had a great career. Oh, he's, he's a, a Hall you of know. Famer. There's no getting around. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's one he's, of the great St. Louis Cardinals of all time. Just not I know. <laughs> I mean, you look at his stats. You know, even in like you know his league championship series stats alone, he's unbelievable. I mean, some of the numbers mm-hmm. he's put up in postseason play. Save for yeah. the three. Games. I'd love to see him have one more. I'd love to see him have one great moment in the postseason as an angel. Yeah, that would you know. Yeah, something like the the Bradley Ed Chome run or something, some something comparable, just to go out and uh, you know, and then retire on his own and give us back our money. <laughs> I love it. We're we're already talking about him being a greeter. You know, back when uh, yeah, right. He's an usher. <laughs> you know, I made yeah. a video. I made a video back in 2011 that I posted of. When I was saying when he signed the deal with the Cardinals, I said, Cardinal fans, don't be sad. This is the best thing that ever happened to your team. You yeah. Know, that, you know, and I equated him to John Travolta saying that the Cardinals got uh, Grease John Travolta, Saturday Night Fever John Travolta, Urban Cowboy John Travolta, mm-hmm. and the Angels are going to get like one year of Pulp Fiction John Travolta and then be stuck with Battlefield Earth John Travolta, but paying, but paying for Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> and I, I still believe that that's the greatest sports analogy that's ever been made. I think that if that didn't, not bad. If that didn't clarify uh, exactly where I stood on that, um, then there you go. Oh, well, look at, uh, man, I would, I thought I'd get, you know, we could talk for 20 minutes and here we are 45 minutes later. And, uh, you know, we haven't even broken down the bullpen yet, but that's probably best. Um, <laughs> I pitched four games out of the bullpen for the Angels last year. In case you you were, yeah, it got that bad. It got that bad. They were taking the fourteenth caller to come in and you know give an inning. Uh, Jay Keith Van Stratton, where can people find your find you? 
Uh, well, I'm hosting a podcast. Uh, it's a live game show that we record in L.A. If anyone's in L.A. and wants to come down uh, and see our taping, uh, you can go to Go Fact Your Pod. The show is called Go Fact Yourself. Mm-hmm. You can find it wherever you get wherever you get podcasts, except on Stitcher because they're terrible. Um, so Go Fact Yourself is the name of the show. You can go to GoFactYourPod.com and find out our schedule of tapings and as well as uh, listen to our episodes. We come out twice a month on the Maximum Fun Network. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give particular attention to episode two, uh, where we do have a, a long segment about baseball and the Dodgers. So if you want to uh, check that out. And then on, so on Twitter, at uh, GoFactorPod. And then personally, I'm at J underscore Keith on Twitter as well. All right. I got to say, as I'm, as a, I, I'm a Red Sox fan, but most importantly, I'm a baseball fan. And I love good baseball and I love quality baseball. And living here anyway. in Pasadena, where I'm seeing, you know, I'm, I'm near the Dodgers, I'm near the Angels. Part of me would like to see a World Series where Clayton Kershaw is staring down Mike Trout. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, you know, you want to see the best play the best. And that's what that's yeah. seeing that I've seen my team win the World Series three times. I can afford to say things like, all right, I want to see Mike Trout win one now. <laughs> You're very generous. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If it's Angels, Red Sox in the postseason, I want the Red Sox to break the heart of everyone in Orange County. That's all I want in life. But beyond that, like last year's World Series was a dream for me in some ways because I was fine with either team winning. So I just wanted to see exciting games, and we got exciting games. So and, and absolutely, and veterans on both sides who have never won, and superstars on both sides. So you knew. Yeah. We witnessed something very special, you know. And so, yeah, it was terrific. And we've had what three of the last four World Series have been seven games that could have gone either way. I mean, between the Royals and the Giants, and the Indians and Chicago, and last year Los Angeles and Houston. I mean, those are we've had some. And and a few years before that, you had the Cardinals and Rangers one, which was bananas. Yep. And this is there have been some good World Series this decade. Baseball is is the best thing there is. You don't have to tell me that. Jesus Christ, I've been doing a podcast <laughs> about it. I'm doing a podcast in the middle of January. You know, <laughs> everyone's breaking down possible Super Bowl matchups, and we're trying to figure out whether Mike Sosha should have a job. <laughs> I own the prize. Yeah, I own the prize. All right. Well, hey, thanks so much for being part of this. And hey. Go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, sorry, uh, Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) You can be old school and send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. As always, the music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking Angels and where to put Albert Pujols in the lineup or whether or not he should be at the front gate saying hello to people, handing out his own bobblehead with J. Keith Van Stratton. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily, or the Solid Baseball Podcast, no longer the Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs>